What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter 7 of Tangled Trails, a Western Detective Story by William McLeod Rain. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Tangled Trails, a Western Detective Story by William McLeod Rain. Chapter 7. Foul Play. Lane came back painfully to a world of darkness. His head throbbed distressingly. Queriously, he wondered where he was and what had taken place. He drew the fingers of his outstretched hand along the nap of a rug, and he knew he was on the floor. Then his mind cleared, and he remembered that a woman's hand had been imprisoned in his just before his brain stopped functioning. Who was she? What was she doing here? And what under heaven had hit him hard enough to put the lights out so instantly? He sat up and held his throbbing head. He had been struck on the point of the chin and gone down like an axed bullock. The woman must have lashed out at him with some weapon. In his pocket he found a match. It flared up and lit a small space in the pit of blackness. Unsteadily he got to his feet and moved toward the door. His mind was quite clear now, and his senses abnormally sensitive. For instance, he was aware of a faint perfume of violet in the room, so faint that he had not noticed it before. There grew on him a horror, an eagerness to be gone from the rooms. It was based on no reasoning, but on some obscure feeling that there had taken place something evil, something that chilled his blood. Yet he did not go. He had come for a purpose, and it was characteristic of him that he stayed in spite of the dread that grew on him till it filled his breast. Again he groped along the wall for the light switch. A second match flared in his fingers and showed it to him. Light flooded the room. His first sensation was of relief. This handsome apartment with its Persian rugs, its padded easy chairs, its harmonious wall tints, had a note of repose quite alien to tragedy. It was the home of a man who had given a good deal of attention to making himself comfortable. Indefinably, it was a man's room. The presiding genius of it was masculine and not feminine. It lacked the touches of adornment that only a woman can give to make a place homelike. Yet one adornment caught Kirby's eye at once. 
It was a large photograph in a handsome frame on the table. The picture showed the head and bust of a beautiful woman in evening dress. She was a brunette, young and very attractive. The line of head, throat, and shoulder was perfect. The delicate, disdainful poise and the gay provocation in the dark, slanting eyes were enough to tell that she was no novice in the game of sex. He judged her an expensive orchid produced in the civilization of our twentieth-century hothouse. Across the bottom of the picture was scrawled an inscription in a fashionably angular hand. Lane moved closer to it. The words were, Always, Phyllis. Probably this was the young woman to whom, if rumor were true, James Cunningham, Sr., was engaged. On the floor, near where Kirby had been lying, lay a heavy piece of agate, evidently used for a paperweight. He picked up the smooth stone and guessed instantly that this was the weapon which had established contact with his chin. Very likely the woman's hand had closed on it when she heard him coming. She had switched off the light and waited for him. That the blow had found a vulnerable mark and knocked him out had been sheer luck. Kirby passed into a luxurious bedroom beyond which was a tiled bathroom. He glanced these over and returned to the outer apartment. There was still another door. It was closed. As the man from Wyoming moved toward it, he felt once more a strange sensation of dread. It was strong enough to stop him in his stride. What was he going to find behind that door? When he laid his hand on the knob, pinpricks played over his scalp and galloped down his spine. He opened the door. A sweet, sickish odor, pungent but not heavy, greeted his nostrils. It was a familiar smell, one he had met only recently. Where? His memory jumped to a corridor of the Cheyenne Hospital. He had been passing the operating room on his way to see Wild Rose. The door had opened, and there had been wafted to him faintly the penetrating whiff of chloroform. It was the same drug he sniffed now. He stood on the threshold, groped for the switch, and flashed on the lights. Sound though Kirby Lane's nerves were, he could not repress a gasp at what he saw. Leaning back in an armchair, looking up at him with a horrible sardonic grin, was his uncle, James Cunningham. His wrists were tied with ropes to the arms of the chair. A towel, passed round his throat, fastened the body to the back of the chair and propped up the head. A bloody clot of hair hung tangled just above the temple. The man was dead beyond any possibility of doubt. There was a small hole in the center of the forehead through which a bullet had crashed. Beneath this was a thin trickle of blood that had run into the heavy eyebrows. The dead man was wearing a plaid smoking jacket and ox-blood slippers. On the tabaret close to his hand lay a half-smoked cigar. 
there was a gruesome suggestion in the tilt of the head and the gargoyle grin that this was a hideous and shocking jest he was playing on the world. Kirby snatched his eyes from the grim spectacle and looked around the room. It was evidently a private den to which the owner of the apartment retired. There were facilities for smoking and for drinking, a lounge which showed marks of wear, and a writing desk in one corner. This desk held the young man's gaze. It was open. Papers lay scattered everywhere, and its contents had been rifled and flung on the floor. Someone, in a desperate hurry, had searched every pigeonhole. The window of the room was open. Perhaps it had been thrown up to let out the fumes of the chloroform. Kirby stepped to it and looked down. The fire escape ran past it to the stories above and below. The young cattleman had seen more than once the tragedies of the range. He had heard the bark of guns and had looked down on quiet dead men, but a minute before full of lusty life. But these had been victims of warfare in the open, usually of sudden passions that had flared and struck. This was different. It was murder, deliberate, cold-blooded, atrocious. The man had been tied up, made helpless, and done to death without mercy. There was a note of the abnormal, of the unhuman, about the affair. Whoever had killed James Cunningham deserved the extreme penalty of the law. He was a man who no doubt had made many enemies. Always he had demanded his pound of flesh and got it. Someone had waited patiently for his hour and exacted a fearful vengeance for whatever wrong he had suffered. Kirby decided that he must call the police at once. No time ought to be lost in starting to run down the murderer. He stepped into the living room to the telephone, lifted the receiver from the hook, and stood staring down at a glove lying on the table. As he looked at it, the blood washed out of his face. He had a sensation as though his heart had been plunged into cracked ice, for he recognized the glove on the table, knew who its owner was. It was a small riding gauntlet with a device of a rose embroidered on the wrist. He would have known that glove among a thousand. He had seen it, a few hours since, on the hand of Wild Rose. End of chapter 7、hey、guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.